0: On this episode of Movies Are In My Life, Ridley Scott's 1982 sci-fi neo-noir dystopian future, I don't know what this movie is, but I know we're talking about it, Blade Runner. <laughs> so this is Devin, I'm Brandon and uh Blade Runner. So originally when we were talking about this this was going to be like a Philip K Dick episode and and then the more that we were talking about it we realized we just really wanted to talk about Blade Runner. Um you know uh this this film it, it's number 6 on on AFI's uh top 10 sci-fi films. Mm. It's um aesthetically, kind of the grandfather, in my opinion of the a lot of the like the cyberpunk movement and all of that stuff, yeah yeah and it, even though there's four iterations of this film, I think it's kind of one of the few that ironically that that director's cut is the or the final cut that came out in two thousand and seven is the definitive version of it. I think it's collectively I, maybe I'm wrong, but it's the one I certainly enjoy the most, yeah. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Yeah, I mean to be honest, I haven't uh, I haven't seen um uh very much of the the original cuts, but it's it's um from from what I've read uh about what you would take away from from the others it just doesn't seem like it adds a whole lot of value to the
0: Yeah. Like and I know that there's there's a lot of talk over you know whether Deckard is a replicant or whether he's not and I like the idea of the ambiguity. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, like the, the, the flashback with the unicorn and stuff, you could, you can make the argument on either side where it's ambiguous because it's, um, it's just his interpretation of something as a child, or you could say it's ambiguous because it's, or, or rather it's, it's definitive in that, oh yes, he is a replicant because unicorns <laughs> don't exist. Yeah. I don't yeah.
1: know. How, like, how's he going to give a void comp test? Uh, Yeah, if that's the case, like he's like you're looking at a turtle like you flip him over and then both of them just like uh... (laughs) like it it, it, again, like I just I don't see it adding very much value to it. If he is, you know, that's yeah, it it, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't really change the value of the
0: film. It's better that you don't know. It's not it's not knowing (laughs) that Mm. is the satisfaction. Uh, Yeah, like you bring up the void comp test, which is really cool. Um, and is an element from the Philip K. Dick novel *Do yeah, Androids yeah. Dream of Electric Sheep?* And uh, it's basically kind of um, based on uh, the Turing test, is that uh, yeah. yeah, loosely, yeah. and then kind of amalgamated with a, you know, the idea of like a, a polygraph, yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, and uh, it's a really interesting element because for me, I always. I always kind of land on, again, the side, I I don't care, I like the ambiguity to it, but I always land on the side of that Deckard is not because of the fact that he empathizes. He even empathizes with the replicants. Yeah. Whereas everything, when you look at Roy, for example, even the fact that he saves Deckard at the end, a lot of people say, okay, well, that's that's empathy. No, it's not. Mm. That's him realizing his own mortality, and he needs someone to kind of one, be with him in his last moments. He doesn't want to die alone. And two, he's, obviously he has that glorious monologue, which we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, That whole moment seems to me this very last cry, to you know, let me, or carry on, let me, you know, be remembered. Because as it's implied in that speech, you know, it's, what he has to offer the world is so much more, you know, and he's, Coming to, he's having trouble coming to terms with his own mortality. Really yeah. interesting. I love this fucking movie.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I, I mean, I certainly don't, uh, disagree with that number six on the, the AFI list. I yeah. Mean, I, I may even, Even put it higher. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I know we were talking about Off Air and I wanted to get into it a little bit. Just the, 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 the people that are critical of the film, say for example, <clears throat> we were talking briefly about how Blade Runner is a completely different book. Yeah. And uh it was a William S. Burroughs uh treatment. It was actually about
1: running blades. <laughs> yeah, Dude yeah, doctors. legitimately. <laughs> yeah. It was like an
0: underground surgery uh ring. Yeah. 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 Which is also really cool. <laughs> but um but yeah, like they basically saw that film treatment and 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 were like, you know that's that's awesome, we should call our our guys that and it's the same story with the replicants too where you have because they're referred to in the book as Andes or androids um and then the replicant thing I think is one of the producers kids or something has like a like a biochem degree or something or was studying something like that and essentially you just was essentially kind of explaining this to her dad and and out of that came the word <laughs> replicant. So it's, you know, but it doesn't really matter. It's a good movie. I I know initially, like I was reading today, that obviously Philip K. Dick read the initial script, wasn't super happy with it. He, um, he kind of, he used, I wish I wrote it down, like something like Philip Marlowe meets um, some kind of, you know, serialized sci-fi like Flash Gordon or something like that. And then it was him coming to set and seeing, you know, the what they had cut and what they had done, which was visually amazing. We should talk about that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and saying like you, you know, he's been quoted as saying, you know, again, he's he's passed, but that um, it, you you literally pulled out of my head, you know, what I was visualizing when I wrote that. Another interesting thing is that is the the parable. Uh, of uh, the, the look at humanity, and uh, and apparently, with, uh, the book is kind of roughly based on um, uh, some uh, some uh, journals, Nazi journals, kind of thing, and how they 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 lack so much humanity that the Dick said that they were essentially not even readable, you know. And I, I found that really interesting that. He he's kind of taking a a, a, he's saying this is human and this is also human and and making you reconcile it. And I love that. Uh, And I think it's 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 done really, really well in the film. And it's one of those we talked about in the PTA episode, right, where we were talking briefly about how the. Sometimes it is better to just take the book word for word, put it on the screen and and then other times it, it, it's not, and I think this is one of those times where synopsizing, taking general concepts, and and making people uh, form their own opinions is is what makes it kind of special, a really special piece. I don't know.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I think um um read the Philip Cape uh, Cadep um story. Well, I mean, I must have been like a million years ago. And yeah, I don't you know, have really it. much about yeah. it, but um uh. But yeah, I mean I don't I don't think um as with a lot of um uh, a lot of that same um you know um earlier sci-fi I, I, I direct imagining on screen just wouldn't Yeah. just wouldn't really play out that well. I mean and you see it um from from most of the the um the films from from that era of of story are are that same way. I mean they they you know, you kind of have to, um, have to just take the concepts and, and, you know, build a film just, just based on kind of the skeleton of the, of the story rather than a direct yeah. translation. Cause, um, and, you know, as, as well, kind of out of necessity, because in a lot of cases, these are, are based on short stories that, that obviously, you know. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, you bring up an interesting point just in that if you're, if you're, Sourcing any sort of material, I think the most important thing is to keep the the essence of the story, or what what kind of uh um uh, makes you emote or relate or whatever the the key mechanism of it is. You know, yeah. I it, it's a s- silly thing to say, but you just always feel like you you see a a handful of films every year that just miss the point of the book adaptation mm-hmm. or or of adapting a book. Yeah. Um, and just the idea that you, because you got to think for an actor that that's a great jump-off point in the sense of of being able to to source ideas for your character.
1: One thing, one thing I did want to point out real quick, actually, I didn't uh, didn't get a chance to say it earlier, mm-hmm. um, and it's been it's it's gonna bug me for the rest of my life if I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but just on the topic of humanity um, and and the idea of Jacker being being android or or, or not. not um it almost even even you know builds towards the theme of the story and in, in that you know roy batty is everybody's human as as everybody else but he just doesn't get to be and and
0: yeah
1: you know whether deckard is or whether he isn't um it's inconsequential right? yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter because they are just as human as one another it, so you know that that kind of um you know just that kind of that that um like where the empathy comes from, you know, yeah, Um yeah. this, even though he's been created, he's, he's, you know, every bit as, as human. So, so it almost, it's nice if it is ambiguous with Deckard, because it's like, you can't, you know, you can't just write off the, the more obvious, um, you know, it clearly stated replicants in the film yeah, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. being you know, just, just replicants when it, when it's like, wait, like which of these cast members actually were, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Like it's more interesting that way than if, than if they were to come out and and say it one way, one way or the other, um, because that is, you know, I, I feel like an important point from it is, is um, kind of how, how unfair it is that, you know, that Roy does have this, 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 this set lifespan. Yeah. He it, sees that and it is so, you know, all, all of the, you know, as, as he says, like all the things he's seen, it's just, it's all, all gone now. And, and he's had, he's had such like a storied life compressed into such a small amount of time.
0: Yeah, And, um, it,
1: and, and if you don't, um, you know, again, if you see, if you continue to see it as an object, then, then you don't empathize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I think in the final cut, I mean, they kind of, they try to accomplish that with, with, um, uh, with Rachel, right?
0: Or, yeah, exactly. Um,
1: that, that ends up becoming that, but I, I mean, I, I, like, I don't think it matters that much, um, that, that it, that it isn't, um, uh, the same case with Deckard in that cut, but I think, um,
0: I, it's still prevalent though, yeah. I, I but I see what you mean, I love that moment with Rachel where she's um sitting at the piano and she starts to play and then he wakes up and he says, I, I was dreaming of music. And uh and she's she says, you know, I I remember these lessons, but I, I didn't know if I could actually play. And it is such an interesting idea. It's um it's so simple and yet so mind warping just this concept that you you have all these memories but w- what are they <laughs> or, or yeah. what are they worth or are you um did they really happen are you are you mm. are you misinterpreting them are you even just you glorifying them are you remembering them at all are they they're just fig- you know figments of your imagination it's very interesting I actually
1: had, like, a real existential crisis when I was, like, 12 years old, mm-hmm. just thinking about, um, uh, you know, when you go to sleep and you wake up the next day, are you you or have you simply died and, you know, has your mind passed away Yeah, and you wake up the next morning and all the memories are still there, but the consciousness that was you... Died last night. Like,
0: is this because you were Star Trek fan to, growing up, like, with the old that? teleporter?
1: <laughs> well, <they're laughs> along the same lines, right? <laughs> but, um, but, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, um, the idea of of what what yeah. memory is, what what uh, it it's it's uh, it's extremely disconcerting. It's, it's it's um incredible that it's not not broached in a lot of other sci fi that's similar. I mean, they did do that, like that. That Next Generation episode of the guy who's just like, no, you are not transporting me.
0: Yeah, like, you are not. I am not, not
1: getting in that thing.
0: Exactly, which that would fucking <laughs> yeah. be me, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no, There's no, no, fucking way. way. But, um, I'll drive.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, to these, uh, to the replicants, they, 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 you know, are none the wiser and, yeah. and you know, who knows how, you know. No, it's true. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's
0: fucking scary. Mm. Um, I'd like to talk about the aesthetic a little bit, if yeah. we could. Yeah, definitely. We talked about in the Batman episode, um, Tim Burton's usage of of miniatures, mm. and this film, amazing. And um, if you get a chance, I don't know if you've watched. Uh, I know it's around here somewhere. You should you should grab the uh, the bonus disc uh the oh, for the special edition or for the final cut um and take a look at it because there's all the, they actually go through and show them filming the the miniatures and all of the work that went into it just uh tilting the they the roof was so low they couldn't get that that overhead shot over the police station so they uh they literally are are, are tipping the building and and filming it <laughs> tipping the miniature and taking you know, literally everything in the kitchen sink to become buildings. You can literally see. You know this story: the kitchen <laughs> sink that's in that in the first uh, uh, scene, the first like scene, big sh- wide shot of the city. Um, and then the other thing that I really wanted to talk about, in addition to the miniatures, is the um, the matte painting work, which is amazing. And it's it's flawlessly done. It's so. You know, unknowingly, this this film has created a, a trend that's continued on through, look at the fucking Matrix, you know, look at um, everything in the cyberpunk genre, look at Johnny Mnemonic or something like that, and the huge wave of films in the 90s that, that had that aesthetic, and it's so interesting that, you know, as rumored as it is that this film just had just fucking disaster after disaster after disaster, and you know, uh, staff mutinies and all of these things and producers just crushing Ridley Scott's will and, <laughs> you know, like all of this shit um, that, that it is such a trendsetter. And, you know, it didn't do well at the box office. We were talking about this a bit off air. Yeah. You know, made for $28 million and it went over budget <laughs> and made $33.8 million worldwide.
1: Yeah. Which, obviously, it's cleaned up now. I mean, oh, that, yeah. That, you got that, f- fucking... Yeah. <laughs> four, four copies. Yeah. So you're paddling there.
0: Yeah, although one of them one of them is like... This illeg- illegitimate sort of, because it's... I can't really remember the story, so I apologize. I'm going to butcher this, but... So you have the theatrical release. And there's a release that comes before that that was essentially a test audience version. And then there's a version that comes after it, with which is an unauthorized... <sighs> director's cut per se because it's the original cut of the film before they started like getting fucking uh, um, voiceover work done and doing all this weird shit and the producers just putting their fingerprints all over the film and basically telling Ridley Scott to go fuck himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then when they properly released the first director's cut, that's, that's um, I guess version number three and then version number four is, is the final cut mm-hmm. where, um uh, Really, Scott has complete creative control, and it is the it is a perfect film now, yeah. like in my opinion i don't, what do I know?
1: I always remember uh, a documentary that I'd watched um that uh, talked about the process of getting that um that video billboard uh on the side of that one building, yeah, and the fact that they they had a tracking shot that they had to do you know t- ten or twelve times mm-hmm. with a um you know with a projection um uh overlaid on on certain ones yeah. like, like to give it to give them um, the uh the kind of video projection on the side of that building its depth and, mm-hmm. and just the the amount of work that went into justice you know like the cinematic um genius that is yeah. that was involved in creating what what essentially is like a you know, a, a five to ten second yeah. sweeping shot of the city—that's like, <laughs> amazing. Like, it's not a huge wonder that it went so far over budget. If no, that's, if that's the kind of—and
0: uh, also because apparently Ridley Scott was asking for like take after take yeah. after take of everything.
1: <laughs> but it, but it definitely shows in in the final uh, the final work for sure. Yeah, no,
0: no question about it. Um, the um, the wig on uh, Zora on the stunt double. Mm. There's, there's tons of just angry internet articles about that. Just (laughs) like, it's clearly not Zora. Like, fuck you, man. Just watch the film. Suspend disbelief for fucking four seconds and then she'll be through the glass and you're okay. But, uh, that's really, it's really good. The other thing that's funny about that is, uh, apparently there's, there's a shot where she's laying on the glass and I'm, I'm sourcing the, the, that bonus, uh, footage that i was talking about but um that's just this beautiful kind of random reflections off of glass and apparently that's actually the set designers just you know very methodically placing (laughs) various types of reflective surfaces underneath her before they set her down and you know and we should talk a little about ridley scott and uh, when as we're talking about all like the amazing crew on this film obviously you know it goes without saying but um I know that that I'm in in one camp and you're in another camp when it comes to Ridley Scott. I'm in the camp that kind of thinks he's a haphazard filmmaker. Although, over the years, the more you kind of yell at me about this, I come more to a center's position. Uh, Especially as I research the films more. Like, Blade Runner was one that, when we originally talked about the whole sourcing the title from another place and all of these things I was you know, I, I was saying that to you in this very angry manner. And then <laughs> us having a discussion about it kind of brought me back to a center's position. Same thing applies with a lot of his other work, Alien, um, I think is one of the best sci fi films ever. Yeah. Which I for me, for me. Visually. Visually, yeah. And, Visually and, and and it I mean and it's and it's almost a perfect horror film as well. Just minimalist and, and and creepy in all the right ways. Just really using the audience's mind. And I think this film has a lot of that too. I don't think that it drags you along um, or holds your hand at any point. Yeah, there's a lot of moments you could argue even that Roy's monologue at the end is exposition entirely. But they don't stop and explain what a replicant is beyond the computer shots and just a quick uh, back and forth in the police station. They don't, they don't cater to the audience and 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 treat you like an idiot. And I appreciate that. And and the more I think about it, the more I think that is prevalent in his work. I think he's he's more just a guy who will, um, present something interesting and allow your mind to go wherever it wants to go. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think the choices with Blade Runner uh, that you highlighted are certainly odd. Um... I I mean, it doesn't take away from my my enjoyment really, but it no. is strange, like the the titling and and um
0: yeah. Kind of Although I would like to read the William Burroughs treatment, yeah, yeah, and the novel,
1: yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think I I I, I um I love that um one one thing about uh, about Blade Runner and about Alien um. Uh, That I've always found really interesting is is that it's a dated future. Mm -hmm. Like Alien looks very much like what the future would look like to people in the Mm seventies, and Blade Runner looks very much like what the the future would look like to people of the eighties. Yeah, but it doesn't take me out of that like it does with a lot of other sci fi because it is so meticulous because there's so much there's so much purpose to everything. Yeah, you know it's it's never. they're never just throwing in like um, just generic sci-fi props or or ideas. It's every everything is still you know still very believable. Yeah. Um, uh, to you know to a, to an extent that that it um, it doesn't feel dated when you go back and watch it. Um, in no, the same way that, that, that most other sci-fi of the era does. You yeah,
0: know? and we talked about that with, say, when I used, I can't, I think it was a Terminator episode where I used the reference to 1984 and how it was completely irrelevant that 1984 is long past. And I know in the novel it was 1992, right? And then I think there's a re-release that changes the date, but uh, in the original novel it's 1992 for sure is the year. Now in the movie... um it's what, 2019? Or no, it's got to no, be, it's gotta like be it's 2020. Early. It's
1: like, I thought, we're talking Judgment Day? What? Oh, what? I'm sorry. No, back what? to Blade <laughs>
0: <laughs> Now I'm confusing <laughs> yeah. Um No, uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, Because okay. when is, uh, at, at one point, there's a birth date given out. So they if they were all born, if the replicants were all born in 2017, yeah. right? Because there's that scene on the and train it's where it's like, when was years. I born? Yeah.
1: And they've got like, four a years, four year lifespan. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, there's one more thing that I want to get to before we go to break, and then we'll come back. We'll do favorite scenes. We'll talk about the music, which is beautiful, and a handful of other wicked things in this film. But uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this at eight point, or sorry, eighty nine percent. IMDb at eight point two, and Metacritic eighty eight. Super high scores all all the way across the board from yeah. the sources that we generally <laughs> go to. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, really favorable reviews. It, any thoughts on on why this film, even in its original uh, format that you see uh, with the fucking voiceovers and and the, the weird fucking driving sequence at the end and all of this shit, um, why the fuck did this film only make thirty three point eight million dollars, even in eighty two, at the box office? Because,
1: mm. like, it, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make much sense to me whatsoever yeah I, I mean
0: i feel like and i know that uh, the obvious comparable is that also in 82 the thing came out right john carpenter's re, uh, remake of that and i just wonder if people were a little sci fied out between you know star wars and and
1: 82 is is like ET his, as well historically like the year of of um sci-fi. Yeah, a speak, lot right? of people's like,
0: opinion yeah. it is a great year for sci-fi, but it seems like retrospectively, because I think a lot of people were burnt out at that time. Mm-hmm. With the exception of E.T. Um, there's not a lot of films that super uh that that performed really, really well that year in terms of the sci-fi genre.
1: Well it is a it is a standout piece though too, because it is really like a noir film in a sci-fi environment, you know? Yeah it's um, it's it's a detective movie that is also about robots, yeah. kind of. You know, yeah, yeah. it's not even really, um, uh, in, you know, in terms of, of the the style of the movie and, and that. And so, I mean, you look at the other films that came out in that, like, it wasn't um, um, Road Warrior was like the the year
0: before, before, but yeah. just in
1: December, so it would have come out, in,
0: yeah, you know, around the same time. America yeah, so A2. a lot of people, maybe it's just, um, you know, the the movie going audience just completely. Just destroyed from all this this abundance of sci-fi. They didn't realize what they were looking at. The other thing I wanted to mention was the fact that, like, I was looking at some of the trailers this morning just to see, and they don't make any fucking sense compared to the movie. Yeah. Like, you don't realize that you're going into this noir, um, you know, dystopian future, kind of weird art house kind of... Uh, like visually stimulating cerebral emotional roller coaster ride. You just think it's a fucking like you think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark in the future, the way that they, which I understand makes sense because it's like, we, oh, you know, we've got fucking Indiana Jones in the movie, you know, and Indiana Jones is a big hit, so let's.
1: I think it. I think it might have also been tough to sell cerebral sci-fi in that era. You know, it wasn't really yeah. what it, like what the genre had been up to that point, or at uh, least in hadn't terms been the since,
0: since the the turn of the seventies. You know, because yeah. you could argue that the seventies, or sorry, like the sixties into the seventies, was an era that very much was like that—very cerebral, very like, um, uh, very much an emotional event investment, mm. and then. It kind of transformed into almost a little bit of a sci-fi fantasy crossover, yeah. and then you have all of the the byproducts of that, obviously. because that's that's what I remember
1: of of the films of the eighties is like every single trailer was like you know it was about the uh, in in terms of sci-fi especially it was about the action of the film, yeah. not not about not about drawing you into an interesting story. It was about like. Bam! See it today.
0: Yeah, like, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's so weird <laughs> though to see this fucking trailer that's just like quick cuts, fucking you know gunfire and you know press flipping around and fucking Roy popping his head through a wall and shit. And you're like, holy fuck, this looks like an amazing action film. And 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 then you see the film, and I can see why be, it would be underwhelming in that regard. But yeah, it's. Yeah. You know, I have that problem though, because you would think that you'd still know that you saw a good movie.
1: Yeah, I don't, yeah,
0: it's so fucking weird. I can't. I can't. Maybe it's just where culture was, but yeah, I maybe someone. I I wasn't even born in '82, so I would love if some of our listeners who have memories of '82 can tell me what the hell happened that this film wasn't a commercial a, a commercial success to the extent that. It was supposed to be, or that, you know, it should have been in all seriousness with the call following that's grown out of it. But maybe you wouldn't have that call following as a result if it was such a success.
1: What had Harrison Ford done up to this point? He had
0: just done Raiders.
1: He had just done Raiders, yeah, Yeah. so... So, I mean, he's done Raiders, he's done Star Wars. I mean, could it even be just an audience's expectation of, of what a Harrison Ford movie is going to be? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not impossible, as, but
0: you've got to figure, like, he, he had done a couple of small roles in Coppola films at that point as well, so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But in any case, you want to take a little break? We'll come back, we'll talk about our favorite scenes and yeah, music sure. and all these cool things, because we're kind of dwelling on... You know, we're, we're, like, hating on people yeah. who went to see the movie in 1982. <laughs> who fucking cares? It's an yeah, awesome it's movie. He should All have right.
1: gone and seen it twice, you dicks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll take a little break, come right back, and get into the film. Yeah. If you have an idea for something you'd like to hear on the show, please email us at show at or reach out to us on Twitter. And whoever you're taking part in this episode, please don't forget to leave comments, share, reach out to us, so we can keep the conversation going. All right, so we're back, and uh, before we get into favorite scenes and characters and all the stuff that we probably should have been talking about in the first <laughs> section, in all seriousness, um, you had an interesting point outside. Uh, just about the the environment they've created in this film.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always liked, and um, a lot of uh, a lot of sci-fi they go into, um, you know, just the idea of like an undercity, like the the way that as uh, you know the world is built up, as you know the skyscrapers are put in and stuff like that. There there still is this city that exists um, underneath it all. You know, the, like the relic of of you know before all of the um, the overbuilding of, of these these massive structures. So one one uh, thing that I, I love about the movie is the use of uh, the Bradbury building.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Just an incredible-looking uh, building, the building that uh, Sebastian um, lives in in the movie. Yeah. And it's um, just that whole, um, you know, at, at the very bottom of of this really futuristic, incredible city, there's just this, you know this this relic of of like early you know 1900s design. You know, yeah. like the the um the, like wrought iron staircases and the old style elevator and stuff like that just just kind of forgotten underneath. You know yeah. all these uh, skyscrapers and like
0: Absolutely. neon lights
1: and stuff like that. It's yeah. really really interesting and and locations. I mean I mean that was that was a big part of this movie. A big part of um you know just what what gives it um gives it that look of of you know contrasting like all, all of these um kind of real um old world um uh like real locations in l a yeah contrasted against you know buildings like like Tyrell's, you know pyramid. monster pyramid yeah. <laughs> like aztec pyramid sort Absolutely, of sort yeah, of a yeah, building yeah. um all the fire pipes everywhere <laughs> there's just pipes shooting fire like all over the city. Yeah, the and also
0: the, um, you know, the Asian flair to it. Obviously, the the geisha on the on the billboards and and this kind of thing. And I wanted to talk actually about the billboards and and particularly that scene where uh, you know that culminates in the big finale, where Deckard first uh, enters the Bradbury Building, and he's ta- uh, sorry, he's in that in. in in the bonus disc that comes with the final cut. They, they actually show what they did to actually light that amazing building. And and because they just, again, this is a film that we know ran over budget and had problem after problem, but you can see how much uh, dedication that these people had to getting the project done. When you hear about just them, the time taken to actually cut out all of those pieces of glass so that they could, you know, put in the, the miniature of the blimp flying over and all of these things it's and, and the lighting that was done in the building, just overexposing the the lens repeatedly to get these, it's just (laughs) amazing stuff. You should really check it out. I I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I should go back and, and actually watch it again because I'm, I'm butchering the fuck out of it. We Should have
1: gone back and watched it before. <laughs> yeah, before we did this, that would have made sense.
0: And we always say that, and then I never do any fucking research. But it's a- I printed out two pieces of paper. Okay, I did my fucking job. <laughs> and I have a I have a notepad with things that I want to bring up once we actually get into the film.
1: But uh, but yeah, they they really put a lot more work into establishing their dystopian world as very you know as very. Um, very grounded in reality and grounded in in you know humanity and the just the dynamics of you know as as your your population gets bigger um you know just kind of gets out of control in a lot of ways um yeah. with all the just garbage everywhere just mountains of
0: garbage in every corner absolutely like that's the where uh, J.S. Sebastian comes across Paris. Paris. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Hiding oh, in the trash. And, and Daryl <laughs> Somebody so threw fucking out good. this woman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Looks perfectly
0: okay, yes. save for the eye thing. <laughs> and then she does the whole like black yeah. line when they're inside. Yeah, that's. Daryl Hannah is amazing. Yeah, this. yeah. She's really, really cool. <laughs> and it, from what I understand, there was another, there's, there's technically a fifth replicant that you know, because of budget, because of the union or the writers union being on strike and all these things, never got in the film. And she was also originally up for the role of Pris. Mm. But yeah, Daryl Hannah is just It's a, a great set of
1: scenes, um, where mm. where um Pris is hanging out with Sebastian. Yeah. And it's just so um like it it's so awkward for the film watcher because yeah. you know that like these you know, her and Roy are, are so dangerous. Yeah. And this Sebastian guy is just so naive and and nice, yeah. And then you you always feel like it's going to come to a head or something, almost, you yeah. know. And and it never does because they just they they are, you know, they're they're nice to one another. They they get one another. Well, you know?
0: yeah, Roy does kind of kill him though. I so.
1: know uh, Roy, Roy kills Torell. He Doesn't kill to Sebastian.
0: Yeah, um, he does. Because that's how that's how fucking Decker gets to his house. He gets the call that that's, uh, that he he's told that this guy was there's another body found with Terrell, and that is who it is.
2: Oh yeah, oh.
0: I, I I actually had completely glossed over that. Yeah,
1: I, I knew he, he yeah. savagely killed Terrell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They sh- presumably
0: like Sebastian runs away, and then because there's a mm. scene that's cut that's him like uh, that's mm. um. um roy like cowering in the elevator mm. that's again those bonus features i gotta stop sourcing this material we gotta just talk about the <laughs> yeah. movie so i'm not just stealing from the i wanted but, to talk sorry Go ahead. but
1: yeah i mean i guess you know they they um you know i i mean that you know who knows what happened in that situation because it doesn't happen on camera no right exactly. so but you know you got to assume it was probably just just you know kind of heat of the moment like you just he didn't. He didn't really intend to kill Terrell. Really, he just wanted him to fix him to fix him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't ever uh, his intention. So, I mean, maybe you know things ran a bit hot, but you you get the feeling that that um, from Roy and and Chris yeah. hanging out with Sebastian that they don't they don't hate him. They don't no. dislike him. They they don't they don't. And he's um, the only
0: person that understands them because of his aging. Yeah, yeah, and that's why he can't go off-world. Which again is one of those things like we were talking about before that you're not, they're not pandering to the audience. They're not going back and explaining like this was a point in the book that mm-hmm. this handicapped person, because in the book it was a he was referred to as special, mm-hmm. a different name, mm-hmm. um, that was helping them, and yeah. and Sebastian's character is kind of loosely based on that. Yeah. So yeah. But in his case, it's the aging thing, and why he, that's why he can't go off-world. Yeah. 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 Really great character. Really yeah. fun character. It's
1: terrifying toys. Yeah. <laughs> that weird like nutcracker yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks so what nervous you? the whole time. Yeah. It's so frightened. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you make me this way? <laughs> Why am I perpetually terrified of everything? But,
0: yeah. Yeah. The um can we talk a little about the music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great great score. Um <clears throat> just this mix of um you know, uh saxophone and um
1: big synth pads and, and synths stuff. and
0: stuff. Yeah, it just it was yeah, kinda of, kinda of the beginning
1: of, of the you know, um I I guess more more um digital synthesizer technology that allowed for, for just more, uh, I guess, yeah. I, like a lot of the sci-fi before then was, was marked with very, you know, yeah. very uh, kind of um, um, analog and, and, you know, more limited. I, I, I imagine to, to produce it was, was substantially more difficult.
0: before yeah. that point. It's interesting too, like Evangelist who finds like a, um, a meeting ground between the organic instruments. Mm. and the and the synth elements mm. and they all kind of work so well with the film because you get these classic almost like uh detective or cop film moments with the lethal weapon or yeah, something exactly. nuclear, A little nuclear, saxophone nuclear. you know lick <laughs> and then and then conversely the the intense kind of underlying techno Group, and also the sound mixing in this film is phenomenal mm. like I love the scene in the uh like in the Terrell pyramid when um uh, he's doing the the comp on Rachel and <clears throat> so like the 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 shot cuts to a I think it it, it goes to a, a shot that's uh, can completely you know a different angle far away from the table and the and the sound goes with it yeah so you you now hear them off in the distance, you know, like you're a fly on the wall, like you're that fucking synthetic owl, you know, incredible, uh, incredible
1: visuals in that scene, too. It's just oh, that, yeah. that, like the massive window uh, yeah. kind of showing the the other uh, pyramids and spires kind of in the diff- distance. Exactly. Uh, and just this it.
0: amazing mixture of set design and then the matte paintings and and just and apparently, like even the lighting work is just just astonishing in that scene. Like, and you know, I uh, I know for a fact again because I've you know I've watched the behind the scenes stuff that it just was was a, a torturous torturous scene, but um, it it paid dividends the work that they put into it. Clearly, yeah, so, yeah. Do you want to do want to do a quick round of uh, just toss out a handful of our favorite scenes, and
1: yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, I. Um uh i'm a huge fan of just the cityscapes in this this movie just the the big uh sweeping shots showing you know like the terrell pyramid the um the the billboard that we talked about earlier yeah. like um a lot of that stuff just really um just looks in incredible i mean you yeah like i i feel like um he, they were they were almost more meticulous than 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 even you know some people would be with c g these days Absolutely. you know it, it it really stands so
0: and um, really the, the amount that they're putting it together almost haphazardly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about the, the kitchen.
1: It's <laughs> literally a kitchen sink in yeah, the shot.
0: and like uh but, spaceships from other films that they're just like, I'm gonna take that from your set and here we go, <laughs> put some fucking just a vertical star destroyer yeah. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> there there isn't, but there could be. <laughs> There's probably something from Alien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just um Oh, you know what? There is something from Alien. The uh the, the, the displays are, in the car. Original. The 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 uh the Nostromo's displays are, are <laughs> part of the car displays. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 But yeah, just, just the
1: way that, um, you know, that really, um, just, just establishes like the scale of, of this world and, and kind of, you know, um, uh, it makes the Undercity seem that much more, uh, interesting when you, when you think about like all, you know, all of these, these things that are going on above it. Um, when he's in a scene like where he's walking away from like the million dollar theater, you know, like the Bradbury building or whatever, or, um, you know, situations like that. It, it just, um, you know, it's really, really just gets you immersed in that, that world. Um, and, and, and like I said, I mean, so much more obviously than anything from that era. I mean, you look at any other sci-fi from
0: that area, era. Yeah. And,
1: and it's just, it's, it's, it almost it just looks silly, you know. Not not that it, I I don't think it's it's a great movie, or or that any of the other movies from that era are are aren't great. But yeah. but no, like um, you said
0: before, it's simply that you don't see the. The logical progression from the world we're in today to that world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, can I,
0: appreciate. that. I still
1: don't get why there's so many pipes streaming fire, on, <laughs> spitting out fire on the top of the city. I, I hope that's not wicked. What we're. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty it's fucking pretty, wicked. Pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I mean, and you know, even to look at movies of today, yeah, there's there's not um, not as uh, not as much of that. Um, just establishing, I mean, one of the things that uh, that you had said was just the, the wires uh, just coming out of, like, apartment buildings, just the way that it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, um, what you see in, um, uh, like, um, a lot of, um, you know, kind of the slums of, like, overpopulated uh, cities in Asia and stuff like that, where where just people are connecting their power lines just directly into the grid, just, like, doing it themselves. Yeah, and, just and, trying to
0: make the best of what they can get their hands on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, um it's it's uh, just really cool to see the work put into to um, you know just just visualizing um, you know all, all of those things that aren't that have no consequence to the movie but yeah. but that just you know establish this as a as a real world mm-hmm. it's fantastic work those are, those I those those are what I always remember when I look back on this movie yeah um, visually like mm-hmm. I always you know that the, those are the kind of pictures that really stand out to me I think I think some of the best um,
0: the best film, you know, um Representation dude. of dystopia for sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The uh, the one I want to bring up first because there's a ton. <laughs> not gonna lie to you, uh, is the the very opening sequence with Leon mm. getting the Voight Yeah, yeah. I always, you always just remember that because it's so fucking it's so perfect. tense.
1: Yeah, so tense.
0: And you have no idea why yet. When you're first watching it, the very first time you're watching, you're just like, oh, no, something is going to happen. You can
1: feel it. Leading up to this, I actually looked um, for uh, any kind of an explanation on that uh, turtle question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to hear some takes on that because, because I could not find a single thing that, that kind of outlines why this is something that robots have trouble with. Like you flip the turtle over, you can't get up. Yeah. like why why
0: why don't I just flip him back over like well but that is part of the question right isn't it that isn't it implied no, that you stop and you flip it or rather they state he states that yeah you stop you and flip you it flip over? him
1: on his back he's um you know he's uh moving around his legs trying to flip over but he can't flip back over without his help but you're just watching him mm. and that's it that's it's, it's yeah. not really a question even so much as a statement
0: yeah but. I think it's it's implied that it's again testing the um empathy. Yeah, and for example, obviously when you when you see the discussion between Tyrell and uh, and uh, and Deckard later, mm. and they're talking about the whole um like how long how many questions did it take for you to figure out that Rachel was a replicant, mm. and he he says uh you know usually twenty or thirty, and then Tyrell says you took like a hundred or something with her or something like that. Mm. So yeah, I I think it, the way it's explained in the novel, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like it's um, explained as an, a, a test of empathy, and then mixed with like your pupil dilation and some kind, yeah. of, some kind of like a, uh, article release of your body or some shit like that. But it's it's cool. In any case, let's not dwell on it. Yeah, awesome scene. Yeah, fantastic. So cool. when he flips over the table and just fucking blows, <laughs> uh, the you know blows him away and and runs off. So good not a scene but
1: that gun in that movie yeah. iconic um no, it's, absolutely and it's like a full like custom job like i love it um in a, you know in a lot of um a lot of uh sci-fi you can often see where things came from i mean like you know han solo's blaster is clearly like a mauser with like a little yeah sight put on it or something like that whereas this thing is just so like it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um in like, you know, just the little the little flourishes. Um there's a great uh a great series uh of videos uh on uh tested. Mm-hmm. Um uh Adam Savage uh from yeah. Mythbusters Fame's uh channel where he goes through he has like eight different versions of this this uh this gun and i'm you know i i am i am very pro-gun control i don't you know yeah, but yeah. but but in terms of, of a um a prop it's it's just it's just beautiful yeah um it's you know i would almost want to own a, a working version of it just to hear that boom yeah because it, it's so loud in
0: uh in the the movie
1: and it's and also so just,
0: cool like that shot when he's he's looking for roy Mm-hmm. and he's walking and it's the 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 water pouring down the wall and you just see the the barrel of the gun <laughs> and then of course Roy busts through the wall and grabs the gun and breaks Decker's fingers yeah. and stuff and it's it's almost um
1: you know it's all it's like to down to every detail they're mm. they're doing this kind of um um uh uh, what would you say? Like comparing and contrasting like the old world with the new, where, yeah. where it's this extremely futuristic looking firearm, but it's got this nice like grained wood like handle like uh, as if that would serve any purpose and those two in little future, lights but, as well yeah. that are on the barrel
0: are cool, yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah that so are it, barely, they might even just be reflectors.
1: I, I think they are. I think they are LEDs on it.
0: Yeah. Um but but
1: yeah, just, just the, the idea that like it still has this like this nice finished wooden stock on it, like, you know, no, no utility, just, just like, just finish, yeah, just flourish, like old world flourish on, on all this, uh, this new, new technologies. Really, really, really neat. Yeah.
0: Do you have another scene or can I go again?
1: Yeah, Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that was mine. We're going back. Oh, and okay, okay. You yours, that was your right? scene, just the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool, <laughs> Just the cool. gun. <laughs> okay. But, but the gun when, but specific, scene. But specifically when he pulls it out when he's chasing down, uh, what is it, Zora? Zora and, yeah. he, and it's just like, <laughs> just, just a massive explosion <laughs> when he sets this thing off. <laughs> okay, so I'll
0: piggyback on that. When he first <laughs> encounters, uh, he's going looking for Zora. He's got mm-hmm. the snake uh, uh, um, skin and... He, he, he tracks down the guy who made the um, the artificial snake, and again, that's something that's really cool about the film that they don't pander to you. They don't explain that animals are going extinct, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so when she, he does meet Zora, you know, do you think if I had a real snake, I'd be working in a place like this? <laughs> and even with the 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 uh, artificial owl and mm-hmm. the tower and all these things, right? It's just implied, obviously, that with with the world kind of. Um, Falling apart, so does the environment. You know, the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, when he he's waiting for her outside of uh, when for her to come off the stage, which I'm so glad, by the way, that they didn't fucking show the the dance that they choreographed and stuff. Apparently, they never shot it, so who cares? But be so so typical of sci fi of that era, just like a ten minute dance. Why are people going
1: to see a sci fi movie if there ain't no tits? (laughs) Like put them in there (laughs) like that. It's just like every
0: yeah. every movie of that era. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, when he's waiting for her, and then he puts on the like the nerd voice, and he's like, oh, yes, I'm here <laughs> Yeah. <to> be, yeah. <laughs> have you Have you been taken advantage of it in any way? Like, I, I love that. So- <laughs> Why does he have to do such a character? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, you can just do his normal voice. Yeah. You just know who he is. And these tricks never work. Every single time. Like... <laughs> Okay, so at the beginning of the film, they have Leon and they're they're sitting. Oh no, oh, you know he says I've already done an IQ test. Okay, don't don't worry about it. This is just standard procedure. And then he pulls out a gun and kills them. So that didn't work. <laughs> and then with Zora, he's like, yeah, hey, you know, just want to check for holes, make sure that no one's, uh, you know, you you don't know what guys will do to, <laughs> to see a pretty lady, you know. Um, and then, and that doesn't work because she gets out of the shower and then just fucking uh, <laughs> chokes him with his own fucking tie. <laughs> and he was saved by, you know, the the other dancers coming in the room, right? And then, uh, again, doesn't he do it one more time after that? I'm trying to think. I feel like he lies to somebody else, but I can't, it doesn't matter. But in any case, nev- it never works. It never, yeah. ever works. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for replicants. <laughs> Are you a replicant? Yeah, okay, bang. Like, that's it. <laughs> or just, if, if you think uh, it's a replicant, just shoot him. <laughs> but that does lead into the other thing that I wanted to bring up, of course, which is that Deckard's character, uh, a character trait is that he has so much trouble reconciling the killing. Mm. Replicant or human, it's no different to him gets mm-hmm. the shakes. He he talks about that at the apartment mm-hmm. after Leon uh, same scene again, after Leon shows up and all of that and 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 uh, Rachel kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he gives her the booze and all of that shit and
1: isn't he uh looking to get out of the business almost from the very get-go? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't um doesn't want to um,
0: Yeah, he doesn't want to do it anymore and then yeah. they're they're like, you know, there's that scene um where they imply like if you're not a cop, then you're you're normal people or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, so no choice, <laughs> no choice. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, does that count for me or do I have to go again? He, uh,
1: yeah, I, yeah. Because I, I kind of cheated on yours. I
0: I took your scene, <laughs> and just went further along <laughs> with
1: it. But yeah, my scene was just like the two seconds in <laughs> two which he <laughs> fires that monster. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. And it, yeah, I I love it too because it's appeared in so many other places too. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've used it uh, heavily in the the Fallout uh, series. It always makes an appearance. Oh, that that's pistol. sweet. It's uh, always uh, always included. Right on. But um, yeah, I guess I guess my other um. Uh, favorite would be would be just the bradbury building um and you know um i'm gonna take all those i'm gonna steal them all all the bradbury (laughs) all the all the you know from sebastian's spooky ass apartment (laughs) spooky little monsters walking
0: around and even the first introduction of bris outside that's so good such a good moment i in all seriousness you know I wouldn't, I would invite Daryl Hannah in if she was sitting outside in the garbage at <laughs> my house and, and you know.
1: Oh, well, he's got like, just,
0: like seemed like the sweetest thing ever. And I realize she's a pleasure bot or what is, what is it called? I'm, I don't refer to her as a bot, but like a, something a like pleasure that, yeah. droid or something to that extent. Yeah. yeah, she's, she's for pleasure. But, uh,
1: but yeah, just, just how much tension there is in those scenes mm-hmm. without, um,
0: with, without
1: you really knowing what anybody's intentions are, you know, because it's not it's not so clear um, at all. I mean, you know what their what their end game is, but but you don't know what's going to come out of this um, this this situation with with Sebastian and Pris and Roy and you know, um, like that 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 super terrified um, <laughs> little uh, like Nutcracker guy yeah, just guy. just not having any of this uh the the uh boiling eggs yeah um, so i was just
0: gonna mention when she reaches in yeah. and
1: just one out and throws it at him and and you kind of like it it um it comes back to a shot of that a few times throughout the scene the yeah. the eggs starting to boil yeah um, and yeah it
0: keeps cutting to the fucking eggs yeah. and it's such a good little device yeah. to, to keep both uh, you know, cutting away to give you a little reprieve, but also implying that that intention is still building. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Save the ending, though. Let's. Yeah. 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 But. Which is but also yeah, there.
1: That whole, um, that whole set of scenes is fantastic. Um, in, in, uh, Kind of an interesting, um, like I always, you know, I always feel bad uh, in movies when like, you know, the guy with glasses, his glasses fall off and then it's like, obviously he's going to die. But it's Mm. like Sebastian, this poor naive guy that's just so nice to these robots or not robots replicants. I mean, they're biological. They're not, they're not machines, but they're, but, um, and you just feel so bad for him the whole time. You, you, you know, um. Yeah.
0: Do you? Okay, I'll go once more, and then should we do the ending? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to bring up, and I know it's not one <clears throat> scene, but it's a series of scenes. Um, is uh, Edward James almost character uh with his his fucking fake city speak. Mm. I love this fucking guy. Just shows up and it's just so uh, you know, uh, he's he's like. He he strikes me as this, um, you know, the guy that the cops send out to do the jobs that the cops don't want to do, and I love that. And I love that he is he is, um, a reflection of the city as we all see it. He mm. speaks this amalgamation of, uh, like German and and uh, Hungarian and all these things, and um, was he devised? Yeah, <laughs> because it's not it's not written in the script so it's it's him developing this character and and he you know shaped his whole look and all these things so for such a small role i love you know like the origami and all these things it's just so um just so interesting and i love how his character kind of gets a he's just this tough brute that kind of always just goes along with whatever the, the cops tell him to do and then at the end, he he has that great uh, great line. I wrote it down because I always fuck it up when I quote it. Um, yeah, it's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? And the origami's there. At, and when then, they're leaving. And so. then you get the replay yeah. of the the line, and so you Deckard's know head.
1: he's you know he's he's he he's basically allowed them. Yeah, to, because he's to go. yeah, he's like telling
0: he's, them like I knew she was here. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can get out of here. <laughs> you know, and also it 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 kind of echoes like, uh, for Deckard, are you living, like mm. just by carrying out orders and 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 um? They don't use the term killing. What's the term that they use? Um, not think of it. Missioning or something? No, uh, no, somebody, it's, it's a similar retiring, retiring. Yeah, yeah re- he's retiring replicants. Mm. You know, instead of uh, living any sort of normal life it's so interesting and the lighting in this film is is beautiful and um i i love i love that element of it <clears throat> and i think that that, you, that just uh accentuates like the um eccentricity of this particular character because he is generally dressed um you know in that the long jacket and and whatnot, but then he's got these colorful shirts and <laughs> and attire and he's got the cane with the handle The it's like <laughs> all shiny and shit it's so, so good he's every appearance that he has in the the movie I just kind of brighten up and just watch a little more intensely I yeah. I, I love his appearances yeah I am and I like that he's kind of uh, a Deckard chauffeur at times and then at <laughs> other times he's he's like a, a you know an enforcer type character and so forth throughout the film and you gotta presume too. Was he just standing there through that whole fucking monologue that Roy did? Because <laughs> immediately, just like, yeah, too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? Were you fucking standing there as he was like chasing me through the building? And I'm gonna see where he goes with this. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to kill the dove. <laughs> Put down the dove.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <to> be surrounded. <laughs> put up the of put up <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you wanna you wanna do the uh the big action crescendo so to speak yeah yeah the, the at the Bradbury building yeah, okay, so he gets the call uh that uh j s sebastian's been found along with Tyrell he goes to the address and of course um Pris is there, and that's fucking super creepy moment where she's like chilling with all the toys and just like pretending to be one of them and has the veil over her face and they uh you know and deckard's kind of just looking at her like are you a are you a replicant or are you just a really fucking cool toy? she's a really fucking hot toy uh, yeah, I love that, and then of course the 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 pris flipping scene, which apparently was fucking hell to shoot. But, yeah just uh and that's so cool and apparently uh it, it fucking she's like daryl hannah is straight up like yanking on harrison ford's nostrils that whole time like his <laughs> nose is fucking bleeding and he's like no no keep doing it that's no problem just just like turn my head around and crank my neck and then pull my nose and drop me no problem um i'm, I'm an actor
1: I love I love that they don't give any ground to Harrison Ford in that set scenes too. It's like you are so outclassed. Yeah, like you are just going to get beat the hell out of. Yeah, like... it's just him scrambling for his gun. <laughs> like, what the fuck is my gun? Like, if he doesn't
0: get to the gun, he's just fucked. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And like he was gonna die. Like Zorro was gonna fucking kill him. Yeah, Leon was gonna fucking kill him. Brisk <laughs> would have killed him if he didn't get the gun. Mm. And uh, and then again. Roy would have killed him if he didn't Save miraculously him. die partway
1: through the fight. Like, no, he saves him. Well, no, well, we'll he saves that. him, but that you know, it's because of his his inevitable death. Like you know, within the next minute and a half, yeah. Like if he had
0: one more day in him, then this could yeah, have this gone a whole dead, other way. This guy's dead. He's going to find someone else to tell a story to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in beautiful prose. <laughs> yeah, it's um. And it's a great moment when Roy shows up, and you know it's kind of fucking creepy. Like, because Briss has her tongue out of her mouth a little bit, and he just like goes and puts it in his mouth. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? A little necrophilia here, bud. <laughs> Is it if they're replicants? <laughs> I, if it's if, if it's no. dead, it's dead. If it's dead, and you're having sex with it, I don't think we can spec. I don't think we can separate these things, but. Whatever you like.
1: Uh, uh, now I'm confused. What the fuck are
0: we talking about? Okay, so yeah, that whole time, too, Deckard's just standing at the end. They go back to your point about how he's just completely outclassed. He's just standing at the end of the fucking hall with his gun, just waiting for, you know, Roy to show himself. And, of course, when he does shoot, Roy just jumps out of the way and is like, that was unsporting or something like that. You know, not very sportsmanlike or something like that. It's so good yeah he's just and he's just talking to him the whole fucking time how do you feel about the uh the wolf howling once he goes a little i don't know i mean um he's kind of um
1: like he's he's um built to be um he's like a war fighter isn't he yeah Yeah.
0: but there's that line in the tyrell corporation like obviously he he uh, in the elevator. He he's giving the moves, the chess moves to Sebastian, and then there's the whole exchange with Tyrell, where he's he's presenting possible solutions, and Tyrell's like, "No, no, we tried it." And then again, when he um, when Tyrell's talking to him, he, he says the he says the thing about the star that shines twice as bright burns out twice as fast, or something to that extent. I'm butchering that, but whatever. Yeah. So it's a, he seems to be the most well-rounded of the bunch in all seriousness but still, so. <clears throat> but yeah i mean
1: i think um like I, I mean the references that he makes to um seeing the um what sea beams C- yeah yeah sea beams glitter in the dark near in the tanhouse, okay like he's talking about about wars you know yeah
0: like, yeah and so, I mean, it could be well, even the line, the improvised line that comes before that in in the speech that I, I've seen, uh, things you attack ships, yeah, attack ships on on fire off the shoulder of Orion, which mm. is, I understand a lot of people's critique of that of that monologue. If we're going to go right into it, is is that it, none of it makes any sense? But like, fuck you, yeah, you know, it's beautiful, and it's the whole point is that it's not even what he's saying; it's that he is an actor and I uh, has to be able to deliver it with conviction. Um, And, and it's the, the delivery is not musical. It's very um, emotional. And I I think like we, we have both versions, a script version, one of the script versions and and the film version in front of us. And, um, you know, I, I love, the simplicity of, of the Rudger Auer ad-lib versus the kind of overwhelming, just, let, let me tell you a little about myself here, break out my fucking journal and read it. You know, it's just him kind of quickly grasping at a few things that stand out in his mind.
1: But I mean, I guess it's like, it's like, this is him doing what he was built to do. And mm-hmm. I, I think part of that would be to get in somebody's head, you know, yeah. the, the wolf howling, like, yeah. It's like him just, you know, just, uh, you know, really, really kind of, uh, you know, just intimidating um, um, Harrison Ford uh, Deckard.
0: Yeah. It's Uh, so interesting. Yeah. How, like, even in that moment, like you said before, he... He's completely outmatched. He's trying to climb a fucking bookshelf and just get up to the next level, and and Roy just goes flying by and is like, "I can see you. I'll just go up the fucking stairs right here. I'll be good. I'll meet you there." But uh, yeah, it's so cool how he's just completely outmatched, and 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 then he, you know, there's the moment where he puts his head through the 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 wall in the bathroom and is talking to him there, and. Obviously before that's when he puts the this the in his in his hand, mm. the nail in his hand to keep it from shaking mm. and like pulsating and shit. But yeah. And Harrison Ford just comes at him with a fucking metal pole and again just wasn't very sporting. <laughs> you know, it, it just the, the character's so entertained mm. by this this human that he envies but also sees as such a lesser being than him yeah yeah um so interesting yeah
1: and i mean, I can only imagine from the uh the descriptions he gives like he's probably he's he's been through so much like that what a trivial thing to fight a police officer when it's like you spend your your life like space fighting (laughs) yeah exactly fighting in in space against actual organized you know militaries, so and now here you are just just like one guy with a, you know, one cop with yeah. a gun. No. And
0: you're the only one of you left. Yeah. too. Like this one fucking guy is taking out all of you. Yeah. Which he doesn't <laughs> seem pissed at all that he took out Leon, by the way, because when he breaks <laughs> his fingers, he's just like, this is for Zora. This is for Pris. You can have your hand back now. <laughs> Leon, fuck him.
1: Yeah, Leon's a bit of a a bit of a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah,
0: when he does, sticks his hand, Leon, when he sticks his hand in the the at the uh, in the when they're they're at the eye maker's mm-hmm. shop, he just sticks his hand in that freezing vat <laughs> and just takes it out and is looking at it. It's so fucking creepy. <laughs> but yeah, he is. He's he's completely a fucking idiot, and I think that's why uh, I I don't think that Roy expected him to make it. Like he's yeah. completely using him like he was what
1: he was like a mining yeah yeah uh, or, or something like that he's just like some big like manual labor kind of a, yeah
0: he can he can lift a lot of weight and all of these things he can yeah look real fucking menacing and shit <laughs> yeah um i won't uh I, w- I won't butcher the the speech but i do want to point out that everyone always quotes this wrong, including me. If you go back and you listen to the Terminator episode, I when I was talking about the Now I Know Why You Cry, um, but it's something I can never do, and I compared it to this um, monologue, and I said, like tears in the rain, which it's not. It's like tears in rain, and he delivers it with that um, reflective pause that uh it's it's just it's like the icing on the cake it's just fucking perfect and then of course he, he just goes time to die mm. <laughs> and, and <laughs> <laughs> releases the dove mm-hmm. i love that it's so interesting it's, all, it's like
1: um he's
0: he's coming up with a metaphor i mean it's almost yeah like it's
1: tough for him yeah exactly uh, it's like but um yeah just the idea of of uh you know this this thing that's been built for war, just like, you know, uh, like being poetic when that isn't even you know it's probably an afterthought. It's not something like he. It's like him uh, him ascending. You know what he's what he's yeah, built for, kind of
0: very way. much. And I love that. I love those kind of characters in film when when you see the the gears turning. Mm. I love that. It's, it's that's that's heightening a performance because it's not on the page. You know, it's, it's, and and with Rutger Hauer, like, they fucking cast him for this film without even talking to the guy. Just like, just give him the job. Who cares? <laughs> Look at his other films. <laughs> like, literally, he never came in for an interview. There's, you've got the role. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, this is his favorite of his own films. Mm. Um, it's Blade Runner. So, kind of cool yeah yeah um i wanted to quickly talk about uh the the and i know it's off but the philip k dick film festival in new york mm. and that's how we kind of first started talking about this um this episode and i think that's really cool it just shows how both transcendental uh dick's work is and also just um the fact that you can have a film festival based on this guy's work when you think about all the films that he has uh, they ha- that have sources material and even tv shows and so forth um on the big screen you've obviously got blade runner you got total Re- total recall you have um what else have we got uh, minority report scanner darkly list just goes on and on um uh impostor uh lots of good ones i I love that that this film, even though you only have a film that made thirty three point eight million dollars uh, on a budget of of twenty eight million in its original theatrical release, has transcended uh, the generations and and found a, an audience much in the way of like Evil Dead or um, Star Trek, for example, the original TV show and things like that. It's amazing how you've got old series <laughs> right. i refer
1: to it as the old series once instead of the the original series and i'll never hear the end of it <laughs> no no
0: especially not with james um well yeah it's it's so cool just that these kinds of these kinds of things exist and, and, and i love i love this kind of dystopian world and thinking about the future and thinking about what it could be, uh, like you said, you've said many a times uh, it's,
1: yeah. I mean, I think, I think sci-fi is a genre, um, you know, to the uninitiated or, or to, you know, to the, the layman, um, is about, you know, space lasers and, and, um, I think, you know, especially, um, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the real classics, um, like your, your, um, your Philip K. Dick and, and, um, uh, Asimov and, and, uh, stuff like that. Um, you, uh, you know, it really is, um, it's so grounded and it's just about, you know, where, where people will go. And, and, and it's such an important thing to consider that I always hate when people are like, ah, like not that into sci-fi when it's like, you know,
0: you're, yeah, you just want to sit him down and show him just even the last fucking yeah. scene of Blade Runner and be like, how can you not? This is a this is every fucking genre in one shot. You know, you've got the Indiana Jones fucking jump. <laughs> if you're looking for a little bit of fantasy, you got a shirtless dude. So if you're looking for a little bit of sexy time. If you're you've you've got. um a character redemption to whatever extent you you choose to buy into it in the sense of roy saving deckard whether you subscribe to my theory that it is a very selfish thing to do or 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 not um, and and then you obviously have this um, beautiful dramatic moment so shy of comedy in that one scene there they're touching on so many kind of touchstones time to die yeah time to <laughs> die is pretty funny, funny. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's so much more than just a sci-fi movie yeah. and and even even you know as a sci-fi movie um you know it's really so um you know just just um um you know raises it raises interesting and important questions um yeah. You know, in an era where, where again, sci fi was like, you know, throw some funny masks on some guys and, and make them have a fist fight. Like, yeah. that's what, what sci fi, you know, was a, for, you know, to a large part in the 80s or, or like kids' films with, you know, like mm-hmm. E and Mac and me.
0: <laughs> or was that 90s? That might have been 90s. But, um, you, you... I, I don't know if I I would go as far as to say that all sci-fi like you had close encounters yeah, yeah and obviously I as much but as even, ET is positive I think that but even close encounters I mean these these are
1: not these are not films that are asking questions about where humanity is going these are films that are just like you know wouldn't it be neat if yeah and, and that you know I guess that's the separation that I'm trying to make is between sci-fi that is that is yeah. really talking about just people um, and 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 grounded in in where science currently thinks, where, yeah. you know, currently projects we're headed to, or, versus yeah. just those movies that are like, aliens exist, maybe, you know? And, or, or... Well, but, I, okay, or, so...
0: But in the case of, like, again, to go back to E.T. or Close Encounters, the struggle with Close Encounters is not the struggle with... with it is a human struggle. It is with Dreyfus. It is with his... Like, he's a shitty dad, and he's a shitty fucking... Uh, person it, and, what i'm and saying is it's the, not
1: making us question where we are going as a society mm-hmm. that is what blade runner does that is what a lot of old um you know a lot of classic sci-fi does
0: yeah absolutely and, and that is
1: and and i would say that close encounters is is
0: is more reflective in in a present yeah kind of way
1: yeah and it's okay. just talking about
0: but it is talking yeah. about humans, human issues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not saying it's not. Well, you like, did say it wasn't. You said no. it wasn't dealing with human issues.
1: No, but what I'm saying is, it's not. It's not um, making us us question where we're going yeah. as a society. Mm. It, it, in in terms of of you know of yeah. progress of, yeah. of scientific progress, yeah. um, that that a lot of uh, you know that a lot of early sci-fi dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just putting a science fiction setting on on sort of a, a you know, standard human condition stuff. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not really... Um...
0: You brought up the uh, the overpopulation thing, too, which is interesting because they fucking nailed it on the head. Mm. You know, it is a problem in a lot of major cities worldwide that were just so densely populated that, it, you know...
1: And you won't see it in North America for a very long time <coughs> no. just because of the way that... That uh, things develop here, like a uh, Blade Runner was supposed to take a, uh, place in L.A. in 2019. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> that we got what, like, like three years left. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they're going to make it. But
0: yeah. and presumably that's obviously after the like the crisis they allude to in the opening yeah. sequence or the opening like scroll where they they say that you know um uh, at this point now because of all of the shit that's happened now replicants aren't allowed um you know on on earth yeah yeah which is interesting so many cool things in this film um before we wrap it up favorite performance is it rudger hauer i'm assuming it's rudger hauer
1: yeah yeah i mean ford ford's pretty good yeah it's 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 um one of his one of his best I don't know. Yeah. It's it's um just in terms of like like character work, not not one of his you know I guess like I, I love the Indiana Jones series. I love yeah. like, like I love everything the guy has done. Oh, he's really amazing. But, he's the best. but um you can get into this, this character's head even even though he's he's speaking less, he's he's doing less than he would do in, in a lot of other movies. He don't really so much get into Indy's head a whole lot. It's pretty no. much what he's doing, not yeah. what he's
0: thinking. Yeah, that's true. This character, and that's such an interesting choice too, because you know we alluded to the monologues in the earlier and the theatrical release, and without that, it actually seems all the more weighted. Mm. You watching this character make these decisions, come to these conclusions, and so forth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, it's it, that. That's a good point. I'm gonna go with Rudger Hour though, because I he's, think he steals the amazing. film. Yeah. I think that he um he he's so much of a he's this balance of a despicable character to a certain extent, but also just this level of of um I don't know, just selfishness that we all kind of have. You know, he he wants his he wants what he wants and and that is driving him and i I love that because we're all guilty of that at times you know mm. we all are shitty to other people now, mind you, we probably don't push their fucking eyes into their heads <laughs> and you know do this kind of shit um but we're 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 we can be we have the capacity as much as we have the capacity to be as good as you know um Say for example, Rachel, in all seriousness, who is also a replicant, but you know, or that Deckard wants to be, and then we on the flip side have the capacity to be just as bad as, as Roy or Leon or any of these characters. Or Zora, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and the whole the whole fact that like he is, he is so so perfect in every way, you know, both physically and mentally, but you know, can't can't gee death. You know, it's, and it's coming, you know, it's, it's coming for him so, so, um, um, so imminently.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and, um, you know, even that is, is like a very, you know, very human struggle, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but being carried out by, you know, by this, this perfect being, you know, both, you know like I like you said before when he's like giving the ideas to Terrell, like he's giving him suggestions like as if like like he is is he, yeah he believes he's better yeah he he is is um and in some ways he is you yeah. know he's he's been alive for for what like 3 years and 11 months and yeah. <laughs> like 25 days at yeah. this point um, and he's he's telling Terrell, like, these are ways that you could fix me, yeah. you know? And, and, and it's all
0: just ending up, Terrell's like, nope, just virus again. Yeah, and Terrell... Virus again.
1: But Terrell spent his whole life, yeah, you know, yeah. coming to these conclusions, whereas as Roy is... You know.
0: Yeah, and I love that also part of that whole thing is that it's desperation. You know, as much yeah. as he believes he's he's, um, um, better in some ways, he also has no qualms at all about you know seeking these answers out from these quote unquote lesser beings because he he needs them he's desperate time's yeah. running out
1: yeah. yeah and it's you know i you know again i think it's a very very um like it's a very human struggle you know just just trying to cheat death you know yeah. um the uh uh reminds me actually just just uh talking about um uh, what's it called? Um Please be uh, Islander. Indiana... No. <laughs> we'll get into that some other time. But no, just just uh talking about Indiana Jones uh with Harris Ford uh Last Crusade, you know, this yeah. like rich couple that that just like you know um trying to find the cup of Christ so they can live forever. You yeah, know, yeah, they, yeah. any any amount of money, any amount of power, any amount of, of um of strength, um you know can't can't let you cheat death.
0: No, and hey. I love that Roy really doesn't reconcile that until he says time to die. because <clears> it, He's still pleading, like, he's still pleading with Deckard, like, <laughs> find something right now, like, I'm better than you, here's why, <laughs> and then just, not ah, time to die. You know, and that's the moment that he, he's just like, I'm dead, so I might as well come to terms with it right at the last second, so interesting. It's, you know, so human for a character that's not supposed to be human. Yeah. That's yeah. great, It's great. Any final points, sir?
1: Uh, no. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, everybody, everybody should see it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a fan of sci-fi in mm. general or not. It's not, you know, like I said, um, uh, you know, at the, the beginning, it's not really that much of a sci-fi movie. I mean, it's very much like a, you know, a cerebral, uh, noir film,
2: Yeah.
1: um, set, you know, in, in a sci-fi setting with, yeah. with sci-fi characters but it's all just just um uh human exposition um and, uh, and so i you know i mean i i don't know that there's any movie uh like it from from the era and i, I would say only only a handful that, that have come close in yeah. recent days and i i wouldn't say have, have accomplished what it did
0: well i think that Two thousand and one presented the questions, and I think this this film kind of presented potential answers in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I really really enjoy it. I also like the idea of the um that these these are Nexus Six replicants. You know, not just these aren't just the first stage. These are several progressions. You know, these are these are now they're they're so close to perfection, and now they keep. A lot of the characters keep alluding to them being perfect in it. So, um, you know, it's also on the flip side, not portrayed on the screen, but this underlying, you know, man's constant need to improve themselves, and also to be this this underlying need to uh, become godlike, you know, Mm -hmm. to uh, make a living entity in their own image and all of these things. It's fucking terrifying that we're such creepy people. Yeah. But I digress. I also would, if anyone wants to talk with me about it, I would love to get in more, uh, as I get into more about what we alluded to earlier, I'm on the side of the fence that I'm still not super in love with, with, uh, with Ridley Scott. I'm kind of back and forth on him. I'd love to discuss him, uh, uh, a little bit more uh i'm as i revisit his catalog i'm 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 becoming more of a centrist i think because there's a lot of just super aesthetically pleasing work and um and he i know he's a great tactician i just uh, you know i i've always looked for more heart in his films and and the more i think about it i think that this has to be the the uh the obvious example of of um of a level of humanity that, that I didn't necessarily associate with him. You know, at the the even recently the Martians brought me around a lot of stuff. So I'm 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 getting there. I'm I'm joining, I'm slowly joining the Ridley Scott camp. <laughs> it's still an uphill battle. Yeah. You guys can try. Alright, so remember this is just the beginning of the conversation. We want to continue it on with you, so please go to our website, yell at us there. Um Send a message to us on Twitter. I'm at NotBrandonFleet.
1: I'm at uh, YR underscore homeboy,
0: your homeboy. Right on. And uh, do you want to do a little little promo? Uh, you can now hear Devin on uh, the gaming podcast we've been alluding to for months. Bad Enough Dudes. Yeah, um,
1: We're uh, doing it Thursday nights. Um, right now, still kind of trying to lock in a schedule, um, usually around uh, 9, 930 uh, we start now. You can see it at slash uh, bad underscore enough underscore dudes. I trust you guys. <laughs>
0: yeah. So if you're into gaming uh, and, and having thoughtful discussions on that sort of thing, check them out. Um, if you're listening to us in podcast format, thank you. Um, and you can check us out on YouTube. We have clips usually up of uh, the upcoming episodes, this kind of thing. We also have audio versions of the podcast. So. You know, you can, you can stream them at work or, or wherever <laughs> wherever you can't get onto the iTunes store or to Stitcher or what have you. Although I hope that you have the most recent episode of ours on your phone. In any case, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, you can find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, uh, your choice podcatcher, whatever that may be. And um, thanks for hanging out with us.
1: You've got like four a years, four year lifespan,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I know when we let's hold off on favorite scenes. Sorry, <laughs> I kind of spaced there for a second. <laughs> well, we'll legitimately have to, get yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, just leave it at four years. <laughs> <laughs>